order so that you will be able to so that you'll be able to um, receive what God has for you because um, it's a lot of blessings that God has for for his saints a lot of blessings uh, we gave you of course some goals for 2009 and like James well we weren't even in James matter of fact we weren't even in James when uh, the I believe that the Spirit of God gave me this, these goals to give the congregation. And one of the goals, of course, it was five goals, but one of them was to increase our intimacy with Jesus Christ. That's what it was. And one of the ways we said we were going to do that, uh, we were going to have a 15-minute devotional time before the Lord, a minimum of 15 minutes. And during that devotional time, some people want to know, what do I do during the, the, the devotional time? So we gave you seven priorities of life, of spiritual life, that can guide you, help guide you in that devotional time. And we said, we want you to memorize some scriptures. So um, the person who I had to come up, who I was going to have to come up, uh, they're not here today. They had um, a reunion to go to. So someone else volunteered, uh, and I feel at liberty to call on anybody anyway. Because you love the word, you love me. Uh, but Melissa, would you come up? M- Melissa Morfield, she said, hey, give me an opportunity to come up there. Give my son an opportunity to come up there. I said, all right. Yo, come on up, you know. So now you're going to give us the four scriptures that we gave you all. I guess you remember the first Sunday of this month? Uh, we said, okay, we're going to give you a jump start on four scriptures. And I want you to memorize these four scriptures today as we're going through the word of God. And you said, you know, you had those down. And you said, can Jaden come? Because Jaden has some scriptures too. Because you know? I guess it inspired Jaden when he saw these little kids up here, you know. Um, so which one you want to go first? Okay. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him should not perish and have a in life. Woo, give my hand. All right. Yes. Glory. Hallelujah. That is great. See, we have mighty men growing up from the beginning. Yes, indeed. And you said you had all those four. James 1.16 is don't be deceived, my dear brothers. And then James 4.7, submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Um, draw near to the Lord, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. <laughs> I had it, and then you get okay. nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Be miserable, mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. And then the last one is humble yourself in the presence of the Lord. And he will exalt you. Give him a hand. Give him a hand. Praise God. Thank you. That was great. Listen, that was actually a five. That was great. Because <laughs> we skipped over. Actually, we skipped over uh, verse nine, four, nine, because that was a little hard. But um, you got it. That is excellent, girl. So she got a, a jump on her scripture mem- memorization, and the whole congregation did, of course, that time. And why are we doing that? Because we see it in the Word of God. Do you know that on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit 
fell on the ones in the upper room, about 120 souls. Um, they were speaking in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And all the multitude of uh, Jews that were in Jerusalem during that time heard them speaking in their own language. And they said, what is this? I mean, we, I, I can't understand. Aren't they all Galilean? Why, why are we all hearing in our own, own native language? And some of them said, they must be drunk. They must, they must have been drinking sweet wine, you know? And who stood up? Start with a P. Peter. Peter stood up and said, and with the eleven, he said, look, these men are not drunk as you suppose, but because it's only the ninth hour. And he said only the ninth hour because the Jews who were participating in the activities of the, of the uh, temple, they uh, didn't eat usually or drink before 10 or 12 o'clock. So it couldn't be that they had been drinking. And he said, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel, okay? And then he went on to quote Joel uh, 2, 28 through 35. So suppose he didn't, didn't even ever memorize in the scripture. He couldn't quote it, you know? And see, the Jews, of course, they, they knew the word of God. And you're supposed to know the word of God because you're Christians. Let's go to... Where we left off at, James chapter 4. Before I go there, there there's one other, one other thing. You remember I was talking about this. Uh, let me read it first. James 4, chapter 11. I mean, chapter 4, verse 11. Do not speak against one another, brethren. That's as far as I got last week, okay? Uh, got part of a scripture. And I was telling us about really uh, how when I do funerals that uh, you, you every, at every, every funeral they have what they call a eulogy. And that eulogy is actually uh, a, a discourse speaking well of the deceased person. And I was saying that that's what we need to learn to do is to eulogize people rather than to speak evil against people because they are brethren. And so that's part of what the eulogy means, is to uh, speak the word. It's, it's a part of two words, means to speak the word. And so you speak good words, well words, okay? And Minerva had something that she wanted to share, uh, because when we, when we were, I guess, home, uh, on the way home, she said, that, hey, I got a thought when you were teaching. And I said, well, you need to share that thought. Would you come share that thought with She said she can't remember it. <laughs> it, it, was, it was about uh, how you're going to speak well of people because about a, a deceased person, you know, that's the thought you had. Uh, well, the thought I had was um, that actually that we all should speak well of each other all the time because we actually are dead. Uh, in Christ, we've been crucified with him. And uh, though we're walking around in the... Uh, in, in this body, because we have to have a body to be here, but in Christ Jesus, we have already been been crucified and rendered dead. And if you understand what I'm saying, the the, the natural man no longer lives, as far as Christ is concerned, and really as far as we're concerned, we're supposed to be 
dead in Christ Jesus. And the carnal man has been already taken care of in, the, in, in, in Christ. So the spiritual man is living. But the, the, the natural man is supposed to be dying and being crucified every day. So if you, if you can think that way that we actually are dead in Christ Jesus, then we would always be eulogizing mm-hmm. yeah, each you, other. Mm-hmm. And, and um, the other thing that uh, came to my mind is that, uh, and this is not a very good thought, but I guess it is in a way we shouldn't talk about the unsaved because those who are have not accepted Christ, actually they're dead also. They, they're walking around alive, but they're actually dead because they are doomed for destruction if they never do accept Christ. So you really should never say anything bad about anyone. I do. Yeah. So that's what we talked about last week. And let's continue and go to the second part of that um, verse 411a 411b he who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law and that's what the middle part of it says so we know we're not supposed to speak against one another but see the second part of this is, is very important he said that if you insist on doing this, speaking against one another, what's happening is that you are speaking against the law. And you are judging the law. And I said, Lord, you know, I, I don't understand how, how are you trying to say we're doing this. And so what he shared with me, what I, since I got, is that, see, he's talking to the dispersed Jews, okay? There's 12 tribes are scattered abroad unto all the world. And so they understand the law. They understand the law. And so he's talking to them about the law. And if you turn to Leviticus chapter 19, it tells us a little about what they already knew. It says, you shall not go about as a slanderer among your people. And you are not to act against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. Verse 17. You shall not hate your fellow countrymen in your heart. You may surely reprove your neighbor but shall not incur sin because of him. So we can, you know, reprove our neighbor, our brother, but we can't sin in doing that. You shall not take vengeance, verse 18, nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So when he spoke that, they knew what he was saying. They knew the, the, they, they knew what Leviticus said. They also knew 
what uh, Exodus 20 said, the, the, 12, the, the Ten Commandments, uh, the first three or four, the first probably four has to do with God. Is that right? Honoring God. Uh, one is that we should uh, really, the Lord, our God, he is God, right? He is God. We should honor him as God. We should have no other gods before him. That's the first one, isn't it? Okay, the second one is, is, is similar. We shouldn't have any, make any graven image for ourselves uh, of God. No graven image, no idols should we have. Then the third one, he tells us that, that what we should do is make sure that we don't use the Lord's name in vain. Right? Okay, then the fourth one, come on, help me now. The fourth one is what? We should not, uh, well, on the Sabbath day, he said not, it's just to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. See, that still is God. We're talking about God. From five on deals with, really, other people. It doesn't deal with God. He says to honor your father and mother, that your days may be long, prolonged on the land. And then six, come on, I know y'all know the Ten Commandments now. Okay, uh, six, you know, he told them, do not murder. Okay, thou shall not murder, or you shall not murder. It depends on what verb you're using. That's six. Then seven, you should not commit adultery. You should not steal. Right? Then he says another one. You cannot bear false witness. And then the last one, you should not covet. Okay? They knew those laws. But then in Matthew 22, when Jesus started speaking to the people who knew the law, what did he say? Verse 22, verse, chapter 22, verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they gathered themselves together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? So we know we have ten, right? We know that Leviticus has uh, some in it. We know that we have you know, Deuteronomy, all those, ver- all those uh, books of Moses. We know we have them. So he said, which is the greatest then? Which is the greatest? So he's trying to test them now because I, surely you can't tell me which one is the greatest because all of them are supposed to be good. All of them are supposed to be great. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he says on these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. So to sum up the law and the prophets, he's saying that love your God, love your neighbor. So loving your neighbor becomes very important. Very important as we go on. Let's look at Matthew 19, 16. Matthew chapter 19, 16. I hope you like scripture uh, because I like to go through scripture. I don't like to talk without scripture. I like to let the scripture do the talking. It says, and behold, one came to him and said, teacher, what good thing shall I do that I might obtain eternal life? And he said to him, why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one, speaking of father, who is good. But if you 
wish to enter the life, into life, keep the commandments. Okay, keep the commandments. See, we're going right back to the commandments. And he said, which ones? So, because we got, you know, we got ten of those things, you know. And a whole lot of, you know, things to explain those ten. So Jesus said, now listen to the, listen to what Jesus told him. Now tell me which ones are missing. You shall not commit murder. Now we know that was about number, okay, number six. He says, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. So six, seven, eight. You shall not bear false witness. Nine. Honor your father and your mother. Five. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, he done skipped over that and went going back to Leviticus. Or does he assume that this your man know that to covet is not to love. You know? Let's go a little bit further. He didn't mention he, he, he didn't mention God in that, did he? He didn't mention one, two, three, four. He didn't mention those. Galatians five, thirteen through fifteen. We're trying to make a a, a stand, a point here. That God is serious about us loving each other. He's very serious. He was serious then. He's serious now. James is serious. John is serious. You know, if you read any book of the Bible, they are serious about love. God is love. And Galatians says, For you were called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Now, Paul is saying here in Galatians, said, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law? He, he, he's, already done, he's already eliminated God from heaven. He said a whole law. But has he eliminated from God? Has he eliminated God from this thing? See, he knew that you can't love others if you don't love God. And if you love others, you must love God. It's no way possible for you to love me, you to love your neighbor, you to love your, 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 your uh, co-workers, you to love people in the church. No way you're going to love as, as, as bad as we are sometimes, if you don't love God. You, loving God is a prerequisite. Loving God is the only way I know that I can love anybody. Is that I love him. And I have to, I have to know that it's only because of him, my love for him, that I can love you. It's only because of your love for the Lord that you can love me. Now, I know that you can love somebody who loves you, who's very close to you. You might even die for somebody who's nice to you, you know, who treats you really nice, who's done so much for you. You might even die for a good man. 
you might. The scripture says that, you know. But nobody is going to die for somebody who puts them down, who doesn't think highly of them, who doesn't do anything for them. Matter of fact, they don't even like you. Would you die for that person? You see, that's love. That's agape. And that's what God is saying, that, that he is agape. He is love. He died for the sinner. And all of us were sinners, were we not? He died for all of us that we may live. He died for all of us that we may be put back in right standing with the Father. And none of us deserved it. All of us were wretched, poor, naked, blind. There was none good, no, not one, the scripture says. There's not one righteous, no, not one, he says. But God died for us anyway. So he's trying to make a point here, James is, that loving others is more important than you think. There's no way you're going to identify yourself as a Christian if you don't love those who don't love you. Now, we're not talking about now, also, you know, when we say, uh, I don't want you to speak against a brother. Uh, let's go down a little further. It's probably, uh, well, I'll tell you anyway. Well, what it is is that, you know, Scripture says, uh, when people curse you, bless them. Bless them. Don't curse them. You know, don't, don't, don't uh, uh, do evil for evil. You know, when they, when they do evil to you, when they revile you, don't revile them back. You know, you bless them. How can you bless somebody that curse you? Yeah. Are you going to speak well of them? You know, they just, they just stole your automobile, you know, and took all the tires off, all the everything off, and all you have is a frame. And they said, well, I did it. What you going to do about it? And you say, oh, I love you. You know, <laughs> you, know you probably won't do that, you know. So what does he mean if, you, you know, if you're not going to, if you're going to bless them? Well, you can bless people by praying for them, can't you? You can pray for people and, and speak God's blessing over people, speak the word of God over them, you know, that God would pull the blinders off their eyes that they would see the glorious light of the gospel. Because they can't come to God, so because you, you know that, so no one can come to Jesus unless the God, unless the Father draws them. No one can. So you pray to God, draw him, draw this person that stole my car, you know, and and just you know took everything off of it, stripped it, you know. That's what God means. Bless them. Don't curse them. John, the Gospel of John, verse. Chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. What, what about this love? How are we going to do this love? Because that's, what, that, that's the only way we're going to keep our lips right. That's the only way we're going to keep our words right. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you love one another. Now, what do you mean a new commandment he's given them? What was the, what was the old commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself. He said, a new commandment I give, I, I'm giving you now. I want you to love one another as I have loved you, which is, which is really a whole different ballgame because some people don't love themselves. They cut themselves. They do a lot of different things to themselves, don't they? Yeah. 
But see, God says that I want you to love each other as I have loved you. Whew. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You, you see the emphasis he's putting on it? He's putting on it now. Romans. Let's look at Romans. So you think James is the only one that talks about, you know, really heavy on love. No. All, all of the, the writers of the scripture, all they are doing by the Holy Ghost is explaining to you that God is love. And if you're going to identify with God, if you're going to be called by his name, you better love. Romans 13.10 says, love does, not, does no wrong to a neighbor. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. So if he says that all the commandments hang on this, that you love one another as yourself, and then a new commandment that you love one another as I have loved you, and he said love does no wrong to a neighbor, then you can already get rid of the uh, six, seven, eight, ninth, and tenth commandment. Can't you? What, what's the what's the sixth one? You should not murder. What's the what's seven? Don't commit adultery. What's eight? No stealing. What's nine? No false witness. See, you wouldn't you wouldn't go into court. And, and, and say something against somebody you know is not true. You, just, you, you, know, you know it's false, but you're doing it anyway. You wouldn't do that because it's going to do wrong to your neighbor. You wouldn't murder your neighbor because it'll be doing wrong to your neighbor. You wouldn't uh, commit adultery with, with a neighbor because you know you're doing your neighbor wrong. You wouldn't steal. You wouldn't, you wouldn't kill. You wouldn't do anything, right? Because that's wrong to your neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. James 2.8 even says that if, however, you are fulfilling the royal law according to Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing well. That was in the second chapter that we've already gone over. Love is important, isn't it? Well, that's why he said that if you speak against your neighbor, you are speaking against the law. See, the law, we've already summed up the law. What, what's the law say? What does the law say? Love your neighbor as yourself. If you are speaking against your neighbor, you already know that love does no wrong to his neighbor. And if you're speaking against them, you know it's doing wrong because you're so unseated in, 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 in a uh, spiritual realm. You also are cursing your neighbor when you speak. Uh, evil against your neighbor. And so what you're doing, especially against a brother, what you're doing is then saying, you know what? What you said, God, I mean, you, you the one brought this up, God. You said that I should love my neighbor as myself, but see, you don't understand, God. This is not a just law. Because when somebody does something to me, I must speak against them. I can't, you can't expect me to be, hold my tongue against somebody and, and they do things against me. You can't expect me to do that. This law is not reasonable. You know? See, we don't say all that, do we? But see, God says, through James, that if you speak against your brother, 
then you are speaking against the law and you are judging the law. That's what he's saying. And I didn't know that. I didn't understand that. How, how can I be judging law? Because you, I guarantee you, if, if you were speaking against somebody and somebody that was hearing you say, look, why don't you stop talking about that person? Because what you're doing is judging the law and you're, and you are speaking against the law. What would you say? No, I'm not. I'm speaking against him. You know? And you said, no, no, no. When you speak against him, God has told you don't speak against him. So if God said don't speak against him because you're supposed to love him and love does no wrong, then you are speaking against the law and you're judging the law. Let's go a little further. In part C of that verse, part A was do not speak against one another, brethren. B, he who speaks against a brother or judges his brother, speaks against the law and judges the law. C, part we're on now, but if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. Now, he puts it pretty plain, doesn't he? Now, that means that I can say that, no, I'm not judging the law. I'm not, you know, speaking against the law. I'm just speaking against uh, this person who uh, lives next door to me. And they, they walk their dog, and they got this long lease, and this dog come to my yard every morning, and... I sin. And I can't believe my neighbor does that. Why don't he walk him around in his yard? Why does he walk him up down the street and let him go in other people's yard? My yard, you know? Now when I'm cutting grass, you know, <laughs> and I go back in the house and there's a, not a good smell and I look on the bottom of my shoe and I say, oh my goodness, where did I get this from? It's that dog, that the neighbor. And I, and I, so my neighbor comes and I see him and I go out and I say, hey, Neighbor, you know, uh, please don't uh, let your dog come in my yard and release himself. <laughs> That's a good word, you know. And he said, look, let me tell you something. I do whatever I want to with my dog, you know. And it's not bothering you. This is public ground for me to be on, on the street. I got him on the lease. And so if he wants to relieve in your yard, he's going to relieve in your yard. Now that, that's kind of in your face, isn't it? So what do you do? What do you do? You know? So, okay, the dog, if he comes to my yard again, and you let, I'm going to shoot him. You know? <laughs> he said, no, you can't shoot him because there's a, a law against, you know, uh, shooting any, any uh, kind of, uh, projectiles in the city so you can't shoot my dog you know wow so I said okay okay it's fine do what you want to do and I come back in the house and I tell Minerva that low down <laughs> and I just I just you know just talk about this dude just talk about him and Minerva said well, I thought you just taught a message on not speaking again <laughs> against somebody that you were really judging the law. I said, I'm not judging the law. You know? I'm not judging the law. 
you know, I'm not speaking against the law. And she said, well, well, God says you are, and therefore you are not a doer of the law. You are a judge of it. And that's what he's saying here. You have already, in other words, you have already proven that you don't do the law. You've already proven it. Because you, whenever you speak against somebody, you've already proven by opening your mouth and speaking against a person, rather than eulogize them, rather than to uh, speak well of them, or speak nothing at all, like your grandmama said, nothing at all, <laughs> you know, then you are automatically not a doer of the law. Automatically. And so when we stand before God, and he says that you were a hero, but you weren't a doer. You say, oh no, I did, I did it, I did it. Now, now we remember, you remember somebody like that, don't you? Saul, King Saul. King Saul, you know, when he was supposed to get rid of all the Amalekites, he was supposed to wipe everything out. Everything. Everything that breathed, he was supposed to kill it, you know? And he brings back the king. He brings back the good sheep. He brings back all the good stuff. And he says that uh, when, when, when Samuel comes to him, he says, what is this bleeping out here? What is this stuff I hear? He said, well, uh, the men made me do this, you know? And he said, look, look, let me tell you something. He says that God, God, he wants obedience rather than sacrifice. You're talking about you going to sacrifice the good stuff. God not interested in sacrifice. He's interested in obedience, you know. And he said, he said, you didn't do it. Why didn't you do what God said? I did what God says, Samuel. He said, no, you didn't. You didn't do it. We don't want to stand before God and he tells us what he told Saul. What happened to Saul. Saul lost his kingship, didn't he? Because he couldn't obey. He couldn't obey the word of God. God told him to do something, and it'll be fine for a little while, but when pressure comes, when pressure comes, he folds. You remember what James says in chapter 1, consider all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the trial of your faith works perseverance or endurance. Let endurance have its perfect and complete work, that you may be perfect and complete and one and nothing. So we know that we're supposed to be able to go through it because James 1, I think it's 12, says, blessed is a man that uh, really he endures or, or he perseveres on the trial because when he has stood a test, God's going to give the crown of life to those who love him. So we know that we're supposed to go through something. Is that correct? When pressure comes, we can't fold, people. We can't fold. And pressure comes when somebody does something against you, when somebody does something you don't want them to do, when somebody talks about you and you hear about it. Guess what? Guess what I saw on Facebook? You know, you know your friend, Susie? She was talking about you, you know? And what, what, what happens when you go on Facebook and say, Oh, I can't believe that. And then she sees the sister. What does she do? You know? She throws over her head. You know? She won't even speak to sister. You know? Right? Plus, she talks about sister, right? See, God says that this is not going to, that's pressure. That's pressure. That's not going to handle it. Christians, when pressure comes, what's supposed to come out of you is a sweet fragrance of Jesus Christ. <laughs> 
That's all supposed to come out of you. Yeah. Let's go a little further. There is only, verse 12, there is only one lawgiver and judge. The one who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Our neighbor's not ours anyway, is it? No. Our sisters and brothers, they're not ours, are they? Every brother, the whole world, everything that's in it belongs to who? God. The earth and all that is in it belongs to God. Let's look at Deuteronomy 32, verse 36. For the Lord will vindicate his people and will have compassion on his servants. When he sees that their strength is gone and there is none remaining, bond or free, he will say, where are their gods? The rock which they sought refuge. Sometimes we seek advice, refuge, and everything else from people rather than from God. Verse 38. Who ate, who ate the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their libation. Let them rise up and help you. Let them be your hiding place. See now that I, I am he, and there is no God besides me. It is I who put to death and give life. Didn't he give life to Lazarus? Lazarus, come forth, he says. Lazarus came forth. I have wounded, and it is I who heal. And there is no one who can deliver from my hand. That's pretty plain, isn't it? That's, that's Old Testament. Let's look at Acts, chapter 12, verse 18 through 23. Now when day came, there was no small disturbance among the soldiers as to what could have become of Peter. And Herod had searched for him and had not found him. Now this is when, of course, Peter was put in prison and the angel delivered him from prison. And it says that, and he went down from Judea to Caesarea and was spending time there, talking about Herod. Now, he was very angry with the people of Tyre and Sodom, and with one accord they came to him, and having won over Blasters, the king's chamberlain, they were asking for peace because their country was fed by the king's country. And on an important day, Herod, having put on his royal apparel, took his seat in the rostrum and began delivering an address to them. And the people kept crying out, the voice of a God, not a man. When somebody started, you know, flattering you, you remember last week I told you? You know, let it go right on out that ear, right on out the other one. In and out, in and out. Don't listen to that. Because... They wanted something. They wanted favor with the king. He was angry with them. And so they are trying to puff him up. They did a good job. They did a good job. Listen to verse 23. 
And immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and died. Now, did, did he die because the people, you know, said, you know, killed him? Did he die because he stuck a dagger in himself? He died because he didn't give glory to God. In other words, God is able to save, and he's also able to destroy. God is God. Matthew 10, 28 through 31. Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet not one of them fall to the ground apart from his father. But every, the very hairs on your head are numbered. Therefore, do not fear. You are more valuable than men of sparrows. God is able to keep alive everyone. And he can let people die. Job wanted to question God. Remember Job wanted to question God? And so, look at Job 38. See, we have to realize that God is God. He's a just God. Job 38, 19. Says that, where is the way? He, now, you know, you know the story about Job. He, he was questioning God. Why is this happening to him? Because he's righteous. You know, he hasn't done anything wrong. Da, 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 da. You know, show your face, God. You know, you tell me what, what, what the deal is. You know, I want, I want to meet with you to talk to you because what's happening to me is not, is not just, you know. So when God shows up, he, he just asks him some questions. And one of the questions is, where is the way to the dwelling of light? Do you know the way that, that light dwells? Any of you know that way? Where does light come from? All we know is he said, light be. But after he said that, where is it coming from? You know, does it start on the east or west? Where does it go? come from? He said, well, it comes from the sun. Oh, does it? You know? And darkness, where is this place? Verse 24 says, where is the way that light is divided? Whoa. Verse 31 can you bind the chains of Pleiades and loose the cords of Orion? So all the stars and all the, the arrangement there, only he can do that. Verse 34 says that, Can you lift your voice to the clouds so that an abundance of water may cover you? Can you send forth lightning that they may go and say to you, Here we are. Who has put wisdom in the innermost being or given understanding to the mind? Who can count the clouds by wisdom or tip the water jars of the heavens? When the dust hardens in, into a mass and the clouds stick together, can you hunt the prey for the lion or satisfy the appetite of the young lions when they crouch in their dens and lie and wait in their lair? Who prepares for the raven, his nourishment, when his young cry to God and wonder about without food. In other words, we can do nothing apart from God, and God can do everything. Is that correct? 
Let's look at uh, John, the epistle of John, 1 John, chapter 3. Let's look there. Start in verse 4. Now, he's telling us here that everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. Why did he say lawlessness? Because you are against the law if you're practicing sin. You know? And sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins or continues to sin. No one who sins or continues to sin has seen him or knows him. See, sins are in the present, so it's, so it's like continues to sin. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices and keeps practicing righteousness, righteousness is righteous, just as he who he just as he is righteous. The one who practices and keeps on practicing sin is of the devil, and the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. Therefore, if God has destroyed the works of the devil, who was a sinner from the beginning, that means that we don't have to sin. We don't have to continue sinning. We don't have to because we have the Spirit of God in us. We have the Word of God. We have the angels, messenger angels. We have, we have uh, warring angels. We have the Jesus Christ. We are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. We have all we need to keep from sinning with our mouth because that's the, that's the sin we're talking about today is our mouth. No one who is born of God continues to practice sin because he, his seed abides in him and he cannot continue to sin. He's born of God. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love woo, his brother. I don't know. I don't think we hear that, did we? He said, no, is the one who does not love his brother. If we talk about our brother, are we loving our brother? No. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was the evil one, who was of the evil one, and slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brother, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love and continue to love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother, and that hate means to, you know, it has a persecuting spirit. It has a, uh, with words and conduct, loving less, in other words is a murderer. Woo. And the scripture already told us in the law that, that you sh- thou shalt not, what? Murder. And, but, but John understood a little by the Holy Ghost. He says that everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Is that plain? On the basis of what has been stated, he says, who do you think you are? Are you think you above the gods of God, the king of kings, the great I am? You know, 
Do we think we're better than he is? No, we're not. So the essence of the first, and I'm through the first sin now, of pride, the first sin of pride, is speaking against one another. I wanted to belabor this for two messages, just this particular sin, because I think it's the greatest sin, one of the greatest sins of the church. The church, universally, the church. Every, I don't care what congregation, I don't care what's in, in Japan, I don't care where it is. Uh, it's hard to keep people from talking about people. It's hard to keep people from uh, you know, doing one another long, wrong in the body of Christ. And that's why so many people, they say that, um, oh, I don't go to church anymore because I, I was hurt 10 years ago in church. Oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah. Satan knows that, that if you can get church people against one another, then you can, you can probably keep that person from God, out of standing with God, even though they think they're in good standing with God. They can keep them out of standing with God and out of the church where they can get edified and built up and taught, he knows that if all I had to do is just get them apart from one another. Because, see, what most people know is what I think and what I thought is that, man, the church is just like the world. I can't believe it, man. I expected more when I came in the church than the way it was when I was coaching. And you get in the, in the church and they still, they're talking about you. They, they don't treat you right, you know. You do things and they still, you know, abandon you. I can't believe this, you know. See, Satan knows that. He knows that. But he's telling us that don't bite that, you know, bait that, that the enemy is throwing at you. Sure, if you got any sense, you know that there's going to be problems in the church. Surely you know that. Surely you got sense enough to know there are going to be problems in your marriage. Surely you know that. So it's not that you're going to have problems. The, the thing is, how are you going to solve the problems? That's, the, that's it. How are you going to solve them? Are you going to solve them in a godly way? Or are you going to solve them in a fleshly, carnal way? How are you going to solve your problems? Jesus had problems, didn't he? He had problems. They want to throw him over the cliff. He had problems. But he solved them in a godly way. And that's what we have to do. Solomon in a godly way. So this body should be better off now that you've heard James in this area than you were before you, you heard. Now I know that you read it, but faith comes by hearing and hearing by the what? Word of God. But we know that word of God, he's talking about really preach words because he said that how can they believe unless someone is sent, you know? So we know that we know that somebody has to proclaim the word of God. That when you proclaim the word of God, it's a little bit different than reading the word of God. I read this and 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 I still talk about people. How about you? But but now, now, after teaching this, and I have to I have I'm the first partaker of this thing because I get the message before you do. I have the, my wife and I, we're saying, wait a minute now. We can't, you know, we can't be talking about our neighbor walking up down the street, you know, and say, look at him, his little ugly self, you know. We can't do that (laughs) anymore because he got his little dog and his dog is coming in my yard, you know. We can't do that anymore, you know. We got to say, hey, 
Here comes John. Let's pray for him. God, in the name of Jesus, just bless him. Every time he comes out of his yard, let the Holy Spirit just fall on him, you know. The anointing fall on him. You know, the, <laughs> right? You got to bless him. You got to bless him. You can't curse him. Right? Let's bow our heads. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we thank you for your word. Your word is powerful, Lord. You're sharpening it into it. You're so it, Lord. It's able to devise under the soul and the spirit, the joints of the marriage, the discernment of the thoughts and intents of the heart, Lord. Your word, Lord. Does it does the job? It's like a hammer, Lord. And Father, I would rather for us in this congregation to fall on a rock and be crushed than for the rock to fall on us and we be ground to pieces, Lord. So we joyfully fall on this rock, Lord, of being obedient to your word. Oh, we're going to have to practice. We're going to have to practice keeping our uh, brighter on our tongue, as Proverbs says. We're going to have to practice that. Our thoughts, it's going to come to our thoughts first, before it even comes to our lips. And we're going to catch it right there. We're going to bring that thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, Lord. We're not going to let that thought become seeds that we speak out. We're not going to do it, Lord. We're going to realize that you have told us that if we love you, we will love your children. You've told us, Lord, that we can, cannot continue to sin because your seed abides in us, Lord. You've told us, Lord, that if we speak against one another, we're speaking against the law and we become a judge of the law and not a doer of the law, but a judge of the law. And you are the lawgiver. You are the judge, Lord. So we come against what you said, we're coming against you. Father, we're going we're we're to stop taking this thing lightly. We're going to stop all our, our negativity, Lord. And we're going to start just speaking well of people. We're going to start commending people, Lord. We're going to find something good to say. When we are tried, when we are tested, when somebody try to test us and say, what do you think of, what, what do you think of Jane? We're going to say, well, Jane has pretty eyes. And we'll leave it at that. We're, we're going to catch any negative words because even though Jane might be the one who, who has been against us, Talking about us, we're going to say something nice about her. Or we're not going to say anything at all. We just say, I don't think anything of us except that, you know, I pray for her. Just like I pray for other people. And I would surely want her to be praying for me and you to be praying for me. We all have weaknesses. We all fall short of the glory of God. We're all going from degrees of the sanctification. So we're not going to find fault in others. We're going to just get the 
beam out our own eye rather than try to pick the speck out of Jane's eye. Will you join me with prayer and with Jane? We know that that'll close their mouths and they're going to stop coming to us, asking us those leading questions. They're going to stop, you know, uh, dumping on us all this stuff, these tattletales and these busybody stuff. Did you hear about this person? No, and I really don't want to hear about it. I'm practicing, you know, keeping my mind clean. So I'm memorizing the word of God. Why should I think about that person? Father, we got to find ways. Help us by your Holy Spirit, find ways. Help me find ways, Lord. We are praying today that we will repent and turn from our wicked ways that you may hear from heaven and that you may heal our land because our land needs healing, Lord. But first of all, Lord, it has to start with us, the Christians who are the light of the world. We are the light of the world. You got to start with light, Lord. And we thank you for it. If there's anyone here that say, well, I need to start by giving my life to Jesus Christ, would you raise your hand and I'll pray for you? Anybody want to give your life to Jesus Christ? Because it starts there. 